Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are not as good as some other ones. My name is Eddie. I'm Alec. I'm Corey. And I'm Bobby. Today we are going to talk about envy. Okay, so a number of my thoughts on this are plagiarized from the great Boston philosopher Peter Crape. Peter Crape writes that envy, this phenomenon of envy, is sorrow at another's good. It's not the same thing as ambition or, or wanting to attain the good someone else has. American Ninja Warrior was on the other day. I'm watching it. And there's that time you're like, man, I wish I was that in that crazy shape. As you're watching guys who are jacked still like fall and I'm know, in crazy shape. Get really hurt. Round. Round is a shape. Crazy bad shape. Um, but the, yeah, I can watch an Olympic athlete and really like just be wowed by what they're doing on a couple different levels. But so looking up to another person what they've succeeded in athletically, professionally, or whatever, that's not envy. That's a good kind of humility of what I want to be. But envy is this counterfeit that I am saddened by the status, fame, power, whatever another person has attained. And it's essentially competitive. It's not aspiration. Envy is, we'd say it's a capital sin because it's taking sorrow at the other's good and there's no pleasure in it. It's not like even greed or lust where there's like a moment of like false pleasure. Envy, there's like no pleasure. It's just like the whole thing is just you wallowing and stewing and it's just pure misery. And it's removing joy because it's the complete opposite of gratitude. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for making that awesome athlete. Thank you for making this beautiful building. Thank you for the work that this guy is doing. Um, It's essentially a comparison that's removing all the joy and kind of like a woe is me. And I wish, instead of me wanting to get better, it's saying, I wish that guy were down in this pit with me. I have never thought of it that way. That there's no instance of joy in it. That is super profound because all other sins there are. It feels really good to be angry. Lust feels good for a really really short amount of time. I'm going to have to sit with that for a while. What book is that? Back to Virtue? Back to Virtue. Peter Kreeft will change your life. Peter Kreeft is Rock your socks off. I currently have no socks on. They have been rocked. If you're looking for your socks, they're right over there in the corner. <laughs> blown right off. That's Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, envy, envy hates the other for having some kind of good. Again, whether that's popularity, subscribers, athleticism, on and on. Can I ask before we move on? No. All Moving right, on. go ahead. <laughs> um, it's my thought that if something feels tangible, I'm much more likely to be envious than if something, like if I couldn't have it anyways. Like I might, I might feel envious of the person that got selected for the team that I was also, on which I also wanted to play. But I might look at an Olympic athlete or something for a sport I don't play or can't play, and it's not like, oh, that could be mine. So I'm less envious of it. Does that make sense? If it, if the goal is so astronomically out of my reach, right? There, I have to be a spectator and almost appreciated right. versus yeah, if it's in my grasp. But I think again, the fundamental attitude you come to the table with is either, wow, that guy inspires me, I'm gonna work harder. Then it's an aspiration to you know, get myself up earlier in the morning or read the thing I've been putting off, get to the thing I've been postponing, even if it's in reach. Or again, the attitude I bring to the table is, man, I can't believe that guy. I wish he would fail at what he's doing. Yeah, like, it does, to wish to wish ill on the other person. And it does seem to 
creep its way into the the most intimate circles of our life though too because it's like because it's like i can have a friend i being single right now am not envious of every single person that has a relationship but i do fall into envy of my friends who are in relationships who i see or you know i played soccer my whole life and um, one of my good friends his name's keith i'm actually reading in his wedding in like next weekend when i was a senior he was a freshman so on top of the fact that he's getting married when he i was a senior he's a freshman but he played goalie and i played goalie for soccer as well we're both kind of shorter guys and uh he was really good and i really wasn't so like i was envious when i before we were even friends i was envious of his prowess at soccer but i wasn't envious of Iker casillas or any of the other famous goalies in the world but like when it's like right here taking away from what i can see right here it definitely feels more poisonous and or more uh direct and therefore more poisonous to our relationships i think yeah it was interesting how you were saying that bobby was saying that you you could have the person who looks at it from the inspirational perspective and then there's the person who looks at it from the envy perspective and i just know watching youtube videos sometimes i'll watch an inspirational video or motivational video where the speaker knocks it out of the park and i'm almost practically in tears and then you scroll down and look at the comments and there's people bashing that person and it's like really? How did you get that experience out of that inspirational story? But I guess it's the starting point you come from. Um, have you conquered uh, through the grace of God and working with God, the ability to overcome envy and have a starting point with an open heart, mind and soul to whatever you're encountering. So that way you can be inspired versus starting with the closed door, closed mind, and then just only being envious of that person. Yeah. I'd say you could be cynical. You could find no enjoyment in anything and you could also find enjoyment in anything. So the same way you're saying in that video um yeah i so i was talking to bobby at work yesterday before talking about what we were going to record today i mean weeks ago because we think of topics weeks in advance this is long planned <laughs> this is long <laughs> planned. Yeah, we are the utmost professionals here. yeah uh, my first day of work uh three and a half years ago i walked in the door it's like bobby i want to record an episode of you <laughs> on a podcast i'm gonna be starting in three years on envy you in and he mm -hmm. he's been taking notes ever since long time coming yeah, i didn't i didn't know who he was i asked security to remove him from the premises <laughs> And me, they just grabbed me off the street. They said, hey, we need a third or fourth. Like we said, Bishop Barron ghosted us, so Corey was the next best thing. So yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, and because I was, we're doing, I'm going through this um, Bible in a year as well as uh, Alec is. Uh, Bobby, you did it and then stopped, right? I did it twice. Called out. <laughs> How dare you? No, I did the Bible, the full Bible, two years in a row. And Dang. then And then it became kind of a check the box, and so yeah. I decided to take a break. That's oh I didn't know that part of the story. Now I look like an <laughs> now idiot. Now if you listen to the Bible <laughs> now but if you listen to the Bible verse or Hollywood quote challenge we did, clearly it did not stick. <laughs> it did not stick. That, so memorizing that's coming memorizing, out on Thursday. Memorizing scripture is a different beast. Yeah. Um we should have had another teacher at our school who like has like all the scriptures he, he it's yeah. like crazy. Yeah. He can he like plays a game. He's not even a theology teacher. He's like a he teaches computer science now, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he's taught history at some point as well. And he, the kids will challenge him and they'll say any part of any Bible verse and he can tell them the book and chapter. And which that, That's which, nuts. Which is a good what? point that Bobby brought up. Just because you've read the Bible or when you do read the Bible, don't think that your work here is done. I've read the entire Bible. And like Bobby's saying, if you do go back and listen to the game that we played um, on a separate we're, recording. We're, no, that's coming out on Thursday. It hasn't come out yet. That, that will come out. I came in last. It shows me that just because I've read the entire Bible doesn't mean that my work here is finished, that there's still a lot more work to do and that there's you're never done. I mean, think about how many times we go. We were just talking about how many times we've watched through the office before we're able to like throw it out and really understand it. 
I would say any. And the Bible is infinite. Piece of art is the same, but like, <laughs> the Bible is infinitely more complex than the Office is. Yeah, not quite as complex as Arrested Development, but still pretty complex. It's on there. Anyway, so doing the Bible in the year, and we got to the parable of the the day laborers, where you know Jesus go. Well, it's not Jesus, but the, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a person who goes out and hires a bunch of people at the beginning of the day to work in his field. And then he goes back a couple hours later and hires more people, goes back, hires more people. And then even people who there's only one hour left in the day hires them. He pays everybody the same because, and the people who are at the beginning get jealous because they say, I was expecting more because we have worked longer. And he says, but we agreed on a term. We agreed on a wage. I can do with my money. However, I please, if I want to give the last person the same amount as you, that's on me. Like you are upset because I am generous. Like take what is yours and go. And I was reading that and, you know, there's always like the moments in everything where something like really clicks in your brain, like especially in like math. I remember back in the day when I took math classes that just it's a very satisfying feeling when like you've been struggling with something and then just like it really feels like a click and you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I get it now. Like, I really get it. And you like the teacher keeps continues to try and explain, you no, 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 I got it. Like, I get it now. It just happens at a random time. And that happens in the faith, too. Like, you know, there's there's times where I'll be wrestling i'm sure you guys all have experience with that wrestling with a theological concept and it just kind of clicks in your brain and be like oh yeah okay that makes sense but then there's another more beautiful moment when it clicks in your heart where it just kind of sinks in you can almost feel it like drop from your head into your heart and you're like and you just are moved by it that whole idea of the daily was like oh yeah i get it like it's fine but then i got to the the verse where he uh, the jesus but he is you know in the parable walks up to them he says what are you guys still doing here and he says that the the workers say no one has hired us we've been like we've been here all day and no one's hired us and i was just moved with pity in that moment of like the people were working in the labor in the field all day but like the other people were standing around waiting for something to be done and i think so much of envy is is can be remedied in that regard where it's like we have to put ourselves in the other person's shoe in that situation where especially in the terms of the faith where like somebody who can just get baptized and later on in life and not have to worry about it. Like I've been working all my whole life. The idea comes into it's well, not everybody, no, maybe nobody evangelized them and that's so sad or like properly evangelized to them. Or maybe they have a trauma in their life that prevented them from being able to be heard, but like they wanted to serve. We all have the desire to serve if it's properly grown. And I, I just, it completely kind of 180 for me in that, in that sense where I really started to understand it how much how many times do we like we don't we don't want to talk to people who come to mass christmas and easter only because they're like they only come here christmas easter only but it's like but like what's going on in their heart that their desire to serve is not being fulfilled that that was definitely a gut check for me that i if i can jump in here that's a previous episode we did on wings versus chains where if we are viewing the faith as this wonderful thing and these wings that are bringing us to new heights we should want other people to have that so it's like you're saying are we properly evangelizing people? We should want good things for them. When you were speaking about the parable, it, it, I was thinking of this image of, you know, a kid being picked last for dodgeball. And more often than not, we would say, like, people would be quicker to think that the kid who got picked last was the en- was envious of the kid who got picked first. But then think about if the kid who got picked last was the reason why his team won and the person who was picked first was envious will say in this case because well he wasn't supposed to play and i was i'm the best and all of this and the same thing in the parable it's like just because you think somebody might appear to be successful in what they're doing doesn't mean that they aren't the ones who carry the burden of envy like you were saying the guys who were picked last really the ones who were envious were the ones who picked first and they should have been rejoicing that they were picked first yeah and if anything the ones who were picked last to stretch the analogy 
would not be envious exactly. when the, if the person who was picked first won the game for his team. He'd be like, we won. I'm on the team. Because I think there's a, there's a big part of envy is that it falls onto like we we have this sadness and oftentimes it develops into an anger, which I forget who it was, but some author has a quote that's like, it's kind of silly, but I think it is grounded in truth. It says anger is sadness's bodyguard. When sadness is really festered, it like manifests itself as anger to protect itself. So if your envy has become angry, it's probably because it's developed so far from sad. We're going through all the inside yeah. out characters. Yeah, here, that's right? true. <laughs> because all if it's all uh, the reason why it does this, I think, is because we have this view, and this is in the even in the definition of envy, I think, in the Catholic dictionary, where it talks about because the view of your own excellence is diminished by someone else being greater. And we see this in I think actually I believe. We're just going to steal all of Father Mike Schmidt's um, uh, uh, topics, but I'm pretty sure he has a topic where he, I think he talks about Saul and David, the King Saul and the King David, the original king and then the new King David. Uh, but he doesn't have claim on the whole Bible. So anyway, but because, uh, you know, it's talking about how Saul was famous and it said like it says that people in the streets seeing um, Saul, he slayed thousands of enemies. And then it says, and then there's David who slayed tens of thousands of enemies. And it says in the Bible that from that moment, Saul was envious and harbored resentment towards David or something to that extent. It's the idea that like Saul is no longer good. Like thousands of enemies means nothing anymore because David slew 10,000 enemies. And that's a problem. To summarize real quick, what I, what I was getting at too is don't think that if you get what that person has, that that is the cure to envy. Like, oh, if I only have the success that they have because the successful person might have envy themselves and that might not be the the reach of where they're going. And there's a quick quote that has always stuck with me from a Sheryl Crow song. And she says, it's not getting what you want. It's wanting what you have. So don't think that, Oh, I want that. And if I get that, that's the key to getting rid of my envy. It's enjoying what you already have to some degree. Cause somebody else is going to come along and slay more enemies than you. So it doesn't matter anyways. Brilliant words of Qui-Gon Jinn. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Did you just quote episode one? I did just quote episode one. It's canon, man. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn's a cool character. Pod racing. Yeah, so the reason why I brought up the whole just because you get if you get what they have is the cure to envy or is not the cure to envy is because I've experienced it personally with a, a brother of mine, younger brother of mine who's very successful in the sports world. He's a professional football player now in Canada and uh, was very successful in high school and college. And I remember going to travel to watch my brother play college and I'd be in the car with my dad and my grandmother and my uncles and my aunts and the eight hour car ride up there would just be all about how awesome my brother is and how good he's doing, um, what he's always wanted to do and he's fulfilling his dreams. And I remember that having resentment and sorrow, like, wow, my family members have never once in their life ever talked about me that way, or at least to my knowledge that I did. And I was envious. I was envious, not of his success in the sports field, but in the love that he was getting from his family and from his friends. And I wanted that. I felt like I was left out. But what, as time went on and I watched my brother grow in his faith, I had come to a crossroads where I realized he was doing what God had wanted him to do because my brother was evangelizing in his own way through playing and he was very strong in his faith. And then I realized, and God spoke to me, do you really wish ill upon somebody who's doing my own work? And then I realized to myself, well, then what is it that God wants me to do? And as soon as I realized what it is that God wanted me to do, and I found my own purpose, because I think so much, so often people who have envy, envy someone else's purpose because they lack their own direction of what God wants them to do. So I want to be like that guy or that girl, and I want what they have, but you need to discern with God. Maybe God has a different plan for you. And when I figured out what my plan was, 
my family started to speak of me in the exact same manner as they spoke of my brother. We are so proud of you, of your success. You're, you're doing great in teaching and you're going for your master's degree. And all that love that he was getting, it was just because they had recognized that he was meeting the will of God when I failed to recognize that he was meeting the will of God and that I needed to figure out how can I meet the will of God so others can genuinely be happy with me doing the Lord's work. So how do you, what would you respond to someone? How do you orient yourself towards your own purpose where someone might say, I've found my purpose. I'm just envious that my purpose isn't what theirs is. Their purpose feels more grand or that's something that I want more. They might say, yeah, being a teacher's awesome power. You get great influence in kids' lives. I want to be a professional athlete. So it's not that I haven't found my purpose. I just value their purpose above mine. Yeah, I mean, that definitely is going to come with the discernment process of making sure that, okay, what you are doing is is the will of the Lord. And, and when you come to that, you have to understand that the cross that you're called to bear is different than the cross that someone else is called to bear. And that God might be giving you t- a task that is not similar to theirs because you don't know where they are spiritually. That person might not be able to handle the load that you have. So let's just say, for instance, in teaching— yeah, there's a lot of people that told me, you know, when you get your master's degree, you can go you can go get a job anywhere and make double the money you're making. But I've been called to bear this cross and I've accepted it. I have come to the conclusion that if monetary success is in my future, it's only through doing the will of God. And if not, I'm okay with that because part of the journey toward the heart of God is uniting yourself with the suffering and the dying process that has to go into it so that you can be resurrected anew. And that means taking off the shackles of wanting monetary success or envying the monetary success of someone else, even if they're getting paid because they're getting paid more than you are and you're both doing the will of God, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I think it's just what are we placing value on? Are we placing value on money? Are we placing value on a claim or whatever it is? Or are we placing value on is what I'm doing for the Lord enough? I've always I've heard this quote from a, an older gentleman who is a neighbor of mine. You'll never see a U-Haul following a hearse because your possessions don't go with you when you die. And so do you value the possessions here? Or do you value the treasure you're storing up in heaven? And I would say that is the distinctive factor. If you're confident that you're storing up treasures in heaven, even though it's not reflecting in the monetary value or the possession value in your in your current life, it's okay because it'll all be worth it in the end. Yeah, I think to kind of add to that ways to kind of help that. I think if, if you have found what is best for you or what God thinks is best for you, maybe you don't believe it at this time, whatever is possibly like envious of something else is probably a disordered attachment, I would say, either to money or fame or whatever it is. But like if God's saying to you like, this is what you are going to have the most joy doing, you really don't have the option to say like, no, it's not. And like, what? so what is it about the other job that you won't be getting at this one? And I, I would imagine it's probably going to be disordered. It's probably going to be an, an attachment to things of this world. And I think something else that could possibly be helpful with that too is gratitude is is, is essentially the, the reverse virtue of envy is being gratitude for what you do have, gracious, being grateful for what you do have. And I think the problem is is we could never no matter who you are, no matter how small of a role that you play, you can never be grateful enough for that role in your whole life. You could spend your whole life being grateful for it and never even scratch the surface of how amazing it is that God has given it to you. That gratitude is like, well, the other person has so much more to be gra- grateful for, but it's like, okay, he may have 
a hundred things to be grateful for that he, but he can only, and he can only hold one. You still have 10 things to be grateful for and can only hold one. So we like, you won't, we, we need to be focused on, I know it's kind of, uh, the obvious answer is focus on what you do have, but try f- framing it that way that like you can't be grateful enough for the things that you do have. Uh, I know that I had um, a, f- a friend like, Oh my long time ago, a family friend who had a boyfriend who was a huge green Bay Packers fan. I don't know if this is still the case, but at least it was at the time when he told me this is green Bay Packers is completely owned by the city. So you can actually buy stock in the Green Bay Packers and it's however much money. And when he was younger, he was, he saved money for like a year to buy one share of the Green Bay Packers stock. And I remember just talking about it. He was so thrilled to be a part owner of the Green Bay Packers, even though he technically like doesn't have any power, doesn't mean anything at all. But he's like, I, he's like, I own the Green Bay Packers. Like I partially own the Green Bay Packers. I think to phrase it that way, that like, Yes, you may not be Brett Favre, you may not be Aaron Rodgers or, you know, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, but be excited for the role that you do have and like think of that kid who's just thrilled to even be because he knows that like it's not really on the table for him to be the general manager of the Packers, but like that I honestly he was probably happier about partially owning the Packers than the general manager was at his job. Just like sheer joy, so to possibly frame it that way. I know a friend told me once, imagine God took away everything you've never said thank you for. As kind of a mental prayer exercise. Like, imagine, I would still have all of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'd still have this microphone equipment. And that would be worth it. Um, everything, again, as Eddie, you just said, like, we have so much to be grateful for. How easily do we look at other people and get caught up in what they have and where envy will tend to infect and slide in. And um, I have a, uh, and I really think like gratitude, but also like love for the other person and really wanting the best for them. Like love is almost the inverse here of envy, where envy wants the suffering of another. Love wants the other to flourish. You know, I do a little YouTube ministry stuff and I know a guy that's just a crazy smart biblical scholar and he's just kind of revving up and doing awesome things. And I love this guy. And so there's like zero jealousy, like zero envy. And I see like his success is like my success. Like, thank God he's, he's building up the church. Uh, thank God for him doing his part. There's no like, Oh, I wish he was, I wish I had more likes or I wish I had whatever. It's like, this guy needs to, this guy needs to be seen. This guy needs to do his thing. So like love for another person will cancel out the envy. And the last thing I wanted to say too, was, was in, in regards to the, the example of, of, again, the guys in the vineyard. I know plenty of friends who've left the church or just kind of are, even if they didn't formally leave, they're just in the secular world, not even going Christmas and Easter. Just don't really, the, the fire is not there. And I know God can do anything with anyone. I think of one friend in particular I've known since kindergarten. Like if he were to come back to the church, like fully and fully alive in love with Christ, I would be the happiest guy. Hmm. I would not be in a, a place of like, Oh, come on, Lord. I've been serving you since I was like 20. Like, and he comes in at the last minute and gets like, I would be over the moon. Like, thank God he's finally home. Cause I'm also, I don't look at his life and, and want that. I don't want that. Like, I hate to say shallow, but like, I don't want that. Just like kind of living for the world, not anything real transcendent. Like I've had such a full life. I, I, I am so thankful for what I have. There's no envy for what he's, there's no, like, I don't want what he's got. I want him to come home. And so, like, 
I think, again, you look at that story of the guys in the vineyard, like, love will cancel out any trace of envy we may have going on inside of us. And, and it's a joy to work in the vineyard. It's yeah. not necessarily, like, it's not a bad thing. We know, we understand psychologically that practicing the faith is actually going to lead you to a happier life. So, like, what do you have to be envious of? That they had a more miserable life for longer than you and then came around at the last minute? Bobby, maybe you want to talk about this too a little bit more. The willing the good of the other is not uh, is also sharing in the suffering because it sounds like the guy from kindergarten, you're currently suffering as he's possibly suffering by not entering the kingdom. So that means when somebody that uh, has a moment of non-success, that the envious person would have joy in that, where the person who ha- who had loves and has love instead of envy is like, no, 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 I'll, I'll sacrifice everything I have to help them get back to where they need to. I, I pray for him all the time. Huber likes to, to give me the, the nickname Seminary Dropout, which of which I will happily claim. <laughs> but they told us, like, the Liturgy of the Hours, morning prayer, evening prayer, on days where it's dry, on days where it's not speaking to you, remember, you're praying for the world as well. You're not just praying for you. You're praying for everyone who has stopped praying. You're praying for anyone who's left. And that changed how I approached it. So even in days where I'm not totally into the whatever the Psalms are saying or the message will say, I, I recognize and I pray for so many other people who have fallen out of that. And you bet, like, I, I suffer in that. At the same way, again, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to have the faith I have to know that as he's now he's a parent. And so we, we caught up recently just talking about parenting struggles and all that. And whereas I try to lean joyfully into it with the Lord, he doesn't have that language. He doesn't have that vocabulary of how of forming little saints. Like we're in this work where I'm, I'm being purified. I'm getting the self-centeredness out of me day by day through these little mutants. He doesn't have that. So he comes with it with much more frustration. And so there's times like that, like, again, thank God we're at where I am. In my experience, it's not necessarily about wanting less for the other person it's wanting more for me. So I see someone and I'm frequently going to go back to like soccer teams. So there are guys with whom I played in high school, with whom I played in college who are now playing professionally. I am very happy for them, but I'm still envious because I want to be there and I see myself as better than them. So sure, whatever they have great for them. I just want more. What would your response be to that? I think that a little bit of that goes back to what you and I were talking about before. What do you define as more? Because if, if success in soccer is all you've limited more to, then yeah, you're always going to be stuck in this, this bubble of envy. If you expand your horizons of what more is take, for instance, what you're doing right now, evangelizing to the world through the podcast, that is more in my opinion than any soccer goal they will ever score. Any soccer basket or (laughs) football kick you could ever have. What do you take on that, Alec? Because I'm, I'm that comment alone. Like I, I, you know, I know you want to. You're always striving for excellence, Alec. But yeah, like we would not be sitting here doing this podcast, getting this message out in however effective or not effective way we're doing it. Super effective. If you, again, I don't know if your life hadn't panned out the way it is. Maybe maybe you're looking at this table of us and 
mourning your life. Maybe <laughs> I just I maybe so this you are, is what this is what we've become. <laughs> a single tear fell from Alex's eye. The, the he reason looked why, around the room. The reason why I brought that up is because when my with my brother's success in football, I had to expand my horizons on 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 that concept of more. I started to instead of envy what he was doing in football, I started to be inspired by his spiritual life, and then I said, "That's my horizon of more. I'm going to open up more into the spiritual life." And as soon as I did that, I found envy of his of his success in the sports realm go down. And I think as you expand your horizons into more and realize that you are doing a lot more in the spiritual sense, that will decrease the envy in the sports realm will decrease. Yeah, and I think it is greed because if you you know you can say. No, envy. We're talking about envy. <laughs> oh, right. My bad. Um, but just like different levels of infinity, you could say this and what I found spiritual is of infinite value. Well, I want the infinite value plus those 10 units that I would get from soccer because that's mm-hmm. more than just the infinite value. And I think that's just the disordered, again, not valuing. If it's really infinite value, I don't need those other 10 units. And I want to touch on, because I have kind of an opposite experience of you with your brother, where, uh, and I'll talk about it more uh, at some point here, because I feel like it just gets alluded to a lot with my experience of coming to the faith and everything, but I was the opposite side. So my brother struggled a lot. And so anything good that came to him, I was I was envious of in the sense that, well, he does he doesn't deserve that you know i i did x y and z i should have that or at least if he has it i should also have it and so for me it wasn't so much seeing him succeed as seeing him get more than what i thought he deserved compared to me so i saw him as the prodigal son and myself as the older brother where i said if He's going to get just as much love and just as much credit for screwing up in A, B, and C way. Why wouldn't I just also screw up in A, B, and C way? And that, and not understanding what was his choice and what was set before him, I think was a big reason for that. Where it's not the same for him to fail in a b and c way as it would be for me right so it's one thing if i think this is when we talk about people who aren't exposed to the faith and when people ask oh so god just creates some people who never get to hear of jesus and he's just creating them to condemn them Mm. it's different someone not being presented with christ than someone being presented with and rejecting christ and i think that's my experience with him and what is helping me because again I still struggle with it but me feeling like I'm doing certain things right wasn't necessarily on the table for him and so thinking that I deserve more for those reasons is not fair to him or to me and it's not valuing the the cross that I've been given to bear Eddie and I were talking a while back and he had a very 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 profound analogy that helped me with exactly what you're talking about. Wait, Eddie? Yeah. I don't remember it, so <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Couldn't have been that <laughs> profound. Uh, <laughs> and I was just sharing this with my fiance recently, especially about the people who might convert on the deathbed and go to heaven or the or the atheist 
who might convert or have the possibility of heaven offered to them, and what do we do about that? And Eddie's analogy was this, that imagine grace is like this overflowing fountain, and everybody has an, an object that they can receive the water from. So some people can have a 16-ounce glass, some people have a shot glass, some people have a thimble, some people have a, a one-gallon bucket, and that is your experience in heaven. And so as you go through your journey in the faith, yeah, it might appear to you here and now like, oh, we're both going to be rewarded with heaven. How is that fair? But you don't understand how uniquely different God is going to give your experience in a way that he will never have your brother or you he'll, you won't have his experience. And so for me, it's like, okay, maybe here and now the people who are going to be the late converters are going to get the same opportunity to go to the fountain as I will. But I'm hoping and praying, and if the analogy is correct, Eddie, and maybe you want to talk on this, if I continue to walk the walk and try and be a righteous man, my experience in, in heaven will be uniquely different to theirs. They might not know that mine is different, but I'm working towards a closeness to God. I kind of think of it as a concert. Two people both go to the same concert. One person's in the front row, one person's in the back row. They've both been invited, but the experience is profoundly different, and the other two people don't know what it was like to be in the other person's seat. Yeah, I mean, that, I definitely did not invent that. Uh, it's been done many, many times over, so I do not take credit. But in the concert one is is, is a good, but it, the problem with the concert, though, is, is because you'd be able to see the people in front of you who are experiencing it better than you, and be you would be like, oh, I could have done better. But it's a weird thing where it's like you will experience 100%, not like not 100 units of happiness. You will experience 100% fulfillment, and it's your 100% fulfillment may be less than my 100% fulfillment, but we will both feel 100% fulfilled and you won't even notice, like you won't be able to tell that someone is being, feeling, is getting more grace than you are is the way that it makes sense in my, the way that was presented to me. Uh, I hope it's not heretical, but um, it doesn't seem to be that on earth, our, you know, we try to open up our arms as big as possible our entire life so that way when we get to go to heaven, uh, we can experience again not that god re doesn't give his love equally it's that we can only receive 100 percent. like if i only have a 12 ounce cup doesn't matter if god gives me 16 ounces of liquid i only will end up with 12. the rest will i will be unable to hold so god is giving everybody a bajillion units of grace at all times you choose and ex choose to experience by your choices by your life how many units you can experience at once. And that's helped me because now I just start to focus on my cup and I, I genuinely want to help other people deepen their cup, but I am never looking at their cup here on earth. All I'm worried about is digging my well deeper so that in the afterlife, like I was saying before, that's, that's where I'm going to get that, those units back. And I that, think and that, that's like, that's blessedness. Like that's the life of grace. And that's the antidote to envy is not looking at another's, again cup be that like in grace power fame whatever you're focused on what you can do and if you've come in love with christ then you're carving yourself out so there's more and more and more space so it's not just 12 ounces it's gallons i might be able to contain in this life try and trying to bring others along with me like that's the blessed life like blessed are those who mourn who are in suffering that despite all these things i am joyful and not falling to a petty enviness. Thank you guys, because this is something with which I'm still struggling and trying to think of those analogies of the cups. The first thought in my head is because 
I love my brother. Honestly, more than any other person in the world. Sorry, mom and dad. But um, and Eddie and yeah, <laughs> I just I love him so much, and I think that to think of the cup analogy, I felt like I was pouring my cup into his cup, and I don't know why that that's my thought because if I was jealous that his cup was getting filled anyways, but that I was pouring out whatever I had, and I should just be more focused on what I'm being given. Yeah, I'll I'll take that to prayer again. Thank you guys. And like I said, we always have to have a GK Chesterton quote in these podcasts. <laughs> it's not it's not that something that you're only alone struggling with. We are all still struggling with it. As GK Chesterton says, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. It's not it, the envy is something that, you know, it's one of the seven deadly sins for a reason. It will be pervasive. And it's actually something that I have I thought I didn't struggle that much with, but like in recent years, uh, it's definitely become blatantly aware that it is a struggle. If you are out there listening and you feel like envious is not something you struggle with, uh, think again. <laughs> look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> look in the mirror and then look at Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Fat Thor or... Hey, no spoilies. <laughs> if you haven't watched it at this point, it's your fault. Yeah, <laughs> true. So that's all we got for you. Bye. <laughs>